Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament, Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. We're going to pick up the reading at verse 26. What is it Chris told us last week? If you found it, say, all right. If you, if you haven't, say, uh-oh. What was that? Something like that? Uh, Luke, chapter, was that was a good word last week? Timely word. God used Brother Chris to speak to us, and um, it's one of those times where, you know, on a, on a Wednesday night, you sense the Lord um, taking you in a different direction than what you thought you were going to go, and, and he um, sensed that as well, and so I'm, I'm just grateful. We're blessed to have so many people that have the ability to teach the Word Some of them you see on Sunday mornings, others in classrooms. We have people who have the ability to teach the Word, who love the Word and can teach the Word, who can rightly divide the Word of God and and, and not ashamed because they can do that. And so I'm I'm grateful for that. Can I say this too? Um, I am grateful for men who love Jesus, um, who will lead in their homes, who will set an example for uh, the rest of their families um, that God is number one and they they prioritize that in what they do and how they live and what they say uh, where they're at on a Sunday morning uh, how they invest their time how they invest their their money Um, we are blessed to have men who love Jesus and uh, people who can pray I'm grateful for spiritually mature people um, we we have people in our church who who have studied the word uh, people who have lived um, have have had opportunities to um, go through situations in life where they have tasted and they have seen that God is good not every situation has been fun not every situation has been easy but people have through the, the test of time and trial, have proven God's Word is true. And we get to worship um, together on a Sunday morning. It's a, it's a pretty awesome thing. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, notice verse 26. And they sailed to the region of the Gerizines, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. He was a, a naked homeless dude. But he had lived in the tombs, hanging out in the cemeteries. And he saw Jesus. He cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? It doesn't say that Jesus had been there before. But this man, demon-possessed, when he met Jesus, when Jesus stepped on shore, he came running and he recognized Jesus for who he was. 
I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Large herd of pigs were was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. Deviled ham. I was in the store the other day. I was in the sardine section. I found this stuff called Vienna sausages, not food. It's not food. Um, potted meat and deviled ham. Didn't buy it. Don't want, to know, don't want to know what's in it. But you've just seen it described in Scripture. When the pigs came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. I bet you Martin sells out a deviled ham this week. You guys are all going to go try it. Ooh, got to keep my brain on track here. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, if I saw a man dressed in his right mind, or I saw a naked guy out of his mind, wouldn't I have been afraid of the demon-possessed man? But I'm just reading the story to you. It says those who had seen it, you know, they, they saw him, they were afraid, and those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerizines asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. Those words could be some of the most sad of all Scripture. <laughs> he got into the boat and he left. And the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. <clears throat> so let's get this picture in our minds. Jesus has just calmed the sea. Remember, he's ministering. In the earlier chapters, Jesus has raised a, a, a widow's son. Uh, he's had a connection there with John the Baptist, anointed by a, a sinner woman. He tells a story about you know, a couple parables of sowing and the parable of the lamp. And then he's teaching, he gets in, in a boat and he, he goes across the lake and a big storm comes up and, and he calms the storm and, and, and indeed, uh, you know, in a fear and amazement of, of you know, what, what they had just seen, the disciples were, were amazed. They said, this guy, he even controls the, the wind and the waves. He steps on shore in this area that was primarily a Gentile area, he steps on shore, and they're immediately met by 
uh, a naked guy who's demon-possessed. Matthew's account of the situation in Matthew chapter 8 mentions that there were two men that approached him. Jesus, uh, Luke only mentions one here. Mark, his account in Mark 5 gives some additional information about this situation. These gospel writers all have a, a harmony of, of what they're teaching. This, this region of the, the Gerizines, a, 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 a pagan territory for the most part, these people were Gentiles. Uh, they were not familiar with the, the miracles and the power of Jesus. He hadn't been there. They hadn't seen or heard much of that. And in fact, this whole idea of, of, of pigs is also a pretty you know, important thing to, to note. No self-respecting Jew would have you know, pigs. One of the gospel writers says there was over 2,000 pigs. No self-respecting Jew would do that. So probably... Uh, uh, you know, potentially a Gentile owner, unless it was a, a Jew who, who was simply um, off the rails. But the disciples, what they saw that day, Jesus calming the storm, and then they also saw Jesus calm a wild, out-of-control, demon-possessed person. This is an interesting story. Verse 37, though, it says, when the people of the region asked Jesus, saw that and everything was going on, they asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. He got into the boat and left. What was the big deal that was going on here? It was simply the power of God that was encountering the power of Satan. And those two cannot coexist together peaceably. In this age, the people preferred the power of Satan as opposed to the power of God. They witnessed the conflict, and they mistakenly said, God, you're the one that has to go. Jesus, you leave. Because even though we've seen this demon-possessed man naked, running around, hiding in the tombs, we've tried to bind him up, but he would break the chains. People would kind of watch for him. But he would break loose and do his own thing, terrorize the place. We would rather live with that than what we have just seen. They had seen the forces of good and the forces of evil clash, and mistakenly, they said, we prefer this. But you know why? Because in some sense, they felt like they had some control. Well, we do bind him. At least, you know, we've, we've, we're accustomed to him. We've seen him, whatever. What we've never seen is someone that would cast these demons out of a person into a, a herd of pigs. Those pigs go running, you know, over a cliff, into the water, and drowned themselves. We've never seen anything like that before. And so that was what they were afraid of. I want you to see these worlds that were crashing. One of the worlds was the underworld of evil spirits. So let's talk about that for a moment. This man was demon-possessed. Evil spirits are demons. Scripture says that when Satan defied God, that he was cast out of heaven, and a third of the angels... And so there are demonic entities. Uh, scripture tells us that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age. The, there's, there's, a, there's an underworld that might not, you know, uh, at first glance, be seen to a, a natural eye. Now, there's only one devil. There's one Satan, one Lucifer. However, there are many evil or unclean spirits or demons. Here's what we know about Satan. Um, God is omnipresent. Satan is not. That doesn't mean he can't get places fast. 
but he can only be at one place at one time. But he has a host of, of minions, <laughs> of, of demons and evil spirits that help him with his bidding. The New Testament has much to say about them, that they're spirits. Matthew 12 talks about this, that they are Satan's um, uh, emissaries. They know that their fate is eternal doom. Scripture says that Christ, he made an utter spectacle of Satan and all, all the, the demons of this world, utterly destroying them on the cross when he, he died and then picked his life back. You see, they thought for a few moments there they might be able, holding their breath, that, that Christ is now in the tomb and, and, and maybe indeed we have taken care of this Christ. He's, he, he, he is dead, but there was movement, <laughs> there was movement in the tomb. And the, devil, and the devil and all of the evil spirits, all, all those demons, they knew there was a shriek in hell because they knew that they had been defeated. He made an utter spectacle on the cross, defeating them. They knew that their fate is eternal doom. They also can affect a person's health. This man um, that, that is described here in Luke, he, he, things, bad things were happening to him. Not only was he naked and out of his mind, but his, his, he, he was, he was not, of, not of good health. There were times, there, there's other... Uh, pictures in scripture, details where it would say it would be cast into a fire, that the demons would, would, you know, be, would throw him into a fire, and there'd be, there's injury. Now, indeed, it affects a person's health. Please note, demon possession most assuredly must be distinguished from mental illness. They're not one and the same. But indeed, it, evil, evil spirits can, can negatively affect a person's health. They, they seduce people. Uh, to depart from the faith. They seduce people to believe in a false religion. And, and, and in, in fact, um, when it comes to evil spirits, and we learned in this case, that in the name and the power and the blood of Jesus, um, demons can, that, that may have oppressed or possessed a person can be cast out. That, that in, indeed, they, they um, are under the authority of, of, of who Christ is, and, and by the power of God's blood, they can be cast out. They're en enemies of Christ, they are enemies of human beings. They oppress, they possess, they obsess of people. They, 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 they are trying to attack God's creation. They try to blind people to Christ. They, they, they attack good theology. They, um, they will destroy society. They attack individuals. They influence people to, to commit the sins of, of, of all kinds of idolatry and and sorcery and, and, and all those things. Scripture talks about that when he talks about demons. And so that's this underworld. There's, there's this underworld of evil spirits that was, is, is at play in this story. Let me just mention some traits of evil spirits that are seen in this passage. One, they are numerous and they are formidable. The, the spirit Christ said, listen, what is your name? And he said, Legion. That his name was Legion. The Legion refers to a military uh, army legion, which included over 6,000 men. Indicates that this man's case was, was desperate. There were many evil spirits. They, they were also formidable. They, it was just like a, a military legion was formidable. The, the, these, these, these demons inside this man controlled him, made him um, extremely powerful. The, that when he was bound at times, he would break free. That, that things would happen. He was, he was scary. He was... It was, it was evil, and so indeed that was all true. Evil spirits are enemies of human beings. And in this case, it took, it took, he was out of his mind. He, 
It, it caused one to act abnormally, hurting himself, hurting others. Evil spirits can cause a loss of shame and conscience. This man was, was running around naked. He'd lost a sense of, of, of decency. His modesty was gone. His privacy was gone. Evil spirits cause people to enjoy the attention of public exposure and the embarrassment of others. Notice it steals identity and causes alienation. He says he was, he was cut off um, from the rest of the town people. He, he lived among the tombs. Um, and, and, and indeed, you know, the, he, he's referred to as is that, that crazy lunatic that's, that's running loose naked. Forces a person to withdraw from themselves and away from others. Um, maybe even push society away, forcing them to live alone. Evil spirits destroy a person by making them live as if they were dead among those who have no contact with the world of the living. No, no purpose, no meaning, no significance. Self-image is destroyed. Public image is destroyed. Notice Jesus he asked, simply asked him what his name is. Um, people may not have known his name. He simply identifies himself as legion. The Lord was stirring within him uh, maybe some memories of his name before he had become demon-possessed. Let me just say this. Stop long enough to say this. I think there are things... Uh, how do I say this? If you, if you give Satan an inch, he will take a foot. If, you, if, if there, there are things in this world that when we dabble with them, give Satan a foothold into our lives. There are some things that, as Christians or as people, you, you and I ought not to be dabbling with. Look, if it's you against Satan, you will probably lose. With you, Christ in you, greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. You, you as a Christian, have the authority... Of, of Christ and the, the power of Christ in your life to, to take your stand against Satan and, and, and he has to flee. But there are too many things, I think, from time to time that people dabble, you know, dabble with that give Satan a foothold. I could list a, several things there, but there are, there are some obvious things that Satan loves to attach himself to. It's like barnacles on a boat. Um, one, uh, Satan is a liar. He is a liar. Uh, he's the father of lies. People who struggle with honesty, and they struggle with being dishonest, give Satan a foothold. Pornography, if it's not a door, it's a window that Satan loves to creep into. Um, interestingly enough, these are evil spirits. And when I think of spirits, from time to time I think of the spirits that some people drink. Drunkenness is also an area, drunkenness is one of those areas that Satan, if it's not a door, it's a window that Satan attaches himself to and says, listen, I've got an opportunity here. There's so many other things. There's things that, that we dabble with. Um, I, I, there are games that people play or 
things that people like to experience in the spirit world that Christians really have no um, how did they say that you, you, you have no business there, there you, there's, there's no reason that you are dabbling with that I don't know what happened to this man somehow he was demon possessed there was there was an, an access, there was opportunity. Um, notice that these evil spirits, and again, they'll steal identity, they'll cause alienation. They'll, they'll take you farther than you ever thought they would take you. They'll keep you longer um, than they ever thought it would take you. And, and again, they're, they're, they're attacking, they're stealing. Notice evil spirits are enraged against the Lord. They knew who Jesus was. He, Jesus hits the shore, and, and here he comes. And he, and he simply cries out to him. He said, um, you know, you, Jesus stepped ashore. He was met by a demon-possessed man. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out in his voice, you, you know, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? They're enraged against the Lord. They knew that Jesus was the son of God. They opposed him. They feared him. Evil spirits seize people for the purpose of working evil. Believe me, evil spirits... Aren't, aren't a part of your life because they're trying to do you well. Evil spirits hate restraint. They cause oppression. They are subject to the Lord's power, though. Christ had the power of, of a word. He, it says, you know, right there, he, he saw Jesus. He cried out, I beg you, don't torture me. Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. In a word, listen, come out of the man. So there's this underside. Notice there's also a visible world of human experience. Not only is there an, an underworld of, of evil, there's this natural, this visible world of human experience. Uh, th these people were afraid of the wrong things. They were comfortable with the wrong things. The people were afraid of the things that ought to comfort them. They were very much at ease with the very things that, that should have haunted them. You know, and again, the, the scariest the, the, the scariest thing of all here is that their story is, is often our story because one of the greatest problems facing our society today is that we become all too comfortable with evil. William Bennett wrote a little book a few years ago. He named it this, The Death of Outrage. The Death of Outrage. There was a time when society showed outrage at people's misconduct, but no more. We accept the flaws of others so easily that we accept their misconduct without hesitation. It's not that we... Um, shouldn't forgive these people. We, they're not looking for forgiveness. We're just simply excusing behavior. It, it is incredible to me, people behaving badly, and as a society, we continue to follow them or elect them or admire them. What happens when people have no sense of shame? Well, the result is Hitler's Germany, six million Jews, two or three million others were gassed to death. What happens when we have no shame? It's the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world who kill and consume people. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the result of the result is is so many times the mass shootings where people kill innocent people, classmates, teachers, police officers, when we have no sense of shame, when, when even through 
um, well, I'll either help some people or anger some people this morning with this one. Sometimes even the video games that we allow into our homes desensitize people to the point, maybe even um, things that Satan would use to desensitize us. What happens when people have no sense of shame? Um, they engage in all kinds of things. Um, what happens when people have no sense of shame? We have a national, we have community leaders who, who get caught in scandal after scandal, affairs, financial scandals, tax evasion, lies, with a seemingly arrogant attitude, no shame, they run again for public office. And there's no shame, and we are stupid enough to follow them again. Does that not concern you? The haunting aspect of Luke's gospel here is that the people were so comfortable with the presence of evil that they'd rather have that than the presence of God. Luke talks about him as a frightening, dangerous individual. Chain him foot, hand and foot. The, the, the whole community took turns trying to control him, watching over him. No one's bothered by that. What bothers them? They're so comfortable with evil, they're frightened at the presence of Christ. In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah talks about this spiritual condition. He says their lifestyles have degenerated, their cities are filled with crime. Jeremiah looks around and he says this in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15. He says, they are, ashamed. are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? No. They have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. Sounds like our culture many times. We have, we have no shame. We're so accepting of immorality that we've forgotten how to blush. That we talk about in the mainstream what angels are embarrassed about. So there's that natural world that's going on. There's also something that I want you to see. There's an upper world of, of divine intervention, divine control. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. Or Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? In fact, if you just turn over to, to Romans 8 for a few moments. Romans 8, verse 31 says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He goes on to talk about hardship. What, what can separate us from the, God, from, from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, now watch this, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In this story, what we saw was the underworld of the evil spirits and the demonic stuff. And then we saw the natural world of, of people saying, whoa, what is that? What is that? Oh, I can deal with this. Here's the natural world. I'm just kind of managing. But then there's this, there's this spiritual thing over the top divine control the result in a word the man was saved the evil spirits were cast out of the man christ proved that he had the power to save and to redeem all he had to say was go and whatever evil indwelt the man was gone the man was delivered from all evil its presence its guilt its consequences jesus looked at them matthew 19 said unto them with men it's impossible but with god all things are possible Luke says it as well in Luke 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing is impossible. Those, all of those things were going together, and they were colliding, the good and the evil. 
I want you to see this. There's a shocking situation. The man's condition, possessed by demons, naked, in the tombs, changed but broke loose, been driven by a demon into solitary places, noticeably agitated that Jesus was there. Shocking condition. There was a surprising cure. Jesus saved those whom no one else could reach. Who knows who else, who, who else well-meaning had gone out and said, well, listen, I'm just going to sweet talk to this guy for a while. I'm just going to sit down and have a conversation with him. Um, and yet it was hopeless. But Christ can reach them in the name of the Lord. He has the power to deliver and save. But can, can I stop there long enough just to, to give you a spot to hang to hang a truth. There's nobody until, until, until Jesus comes and it's all over with. There's nobody that's outside the ability of God's grace to reach. Don't you give up on someone who you think is lost, who's living in the tombs, who's demon-possessed, who's gone, who's running around as naked as this guy is, even if it's just spiritually or metaphorically speaking. In a word, by the power of one, one drop of the, the grace of, of, of our Savior, we can be saved. The power of Christ is able, all-sufficient, more than enough to meet any need. The evil spirits tremble. They were expelled, and the man was delivered. But notice this request. These are some situations we see. There was a, a shocking condition that this man was in. You don't hear about this every day. A demon-possessed man. It, the, the cure was surprising. One word, the power of Jesus, it was over with. But notice this request. The evil spirits wanted to be left alone. They requested to be cast into a herd of pigs. That's the deviled ham of Luke 8, right? Cast us in. Just, there's many of us, and there's there's herd of pigs on the hillside. Cast us into the herd of pigs. Um, someone asked, well... You know, the swine that were killed, um, in fact, Mark's gospel says there were a couple thousand, maybe 2,000 pigs. Why were they killed? Look, Christ didn't kill the pigs. He knew, of course, they would be killed. But the evil spirits were the ones who drove them wildly over the cliff into the, into the lake. Why did, the, you know, why did Christ allow such a thing? Well, first of all, what a visible sign that these, this possessed man, or in, in the gospel account, these two men, were truly saved and freed from evil spirits. So listen, what was in them, all of a sudden, this, this naked um, man who's, who's all out of his mind, all of a sudden is standing there in a sane mind in front of them, and, and the demons are cast into pigs, and they, that herd runs wildly to their death. What a visible picture. Dramatic act. Unquestionable proof of the fact. It was also to convince those who didn't believe in evil spirits that they're most definitely evil spirits who don't possess bodies. See, there's some people who say, I can't see it, I don't believe it. You know what? You say, well, if, if I can't see it, you know, you're talking about an underworld and an upper world, and if I can't see it, I live here in the middle. If I can't see it, I won't believe it. Um, first of all, you can't even be saved if you don't, you know, blessed, you know, remember Jesus' words to Thomas, he said, you know, you see and believe. He said, let me see your hands. And Thomas said, okay, I believe. He said, now he's talking about us. He said, blessed are those who haven't seen and still believe. Folks, you may not believe that, that Satan and his enemies are out to destroy your life. You, you say, well, I don't, I don't see it, so I can't believe it. Um, there's an old song we used to sing. It said, God said it. Um, 
God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. The thing is, that's screwed up. God said it, that settles it. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not, right? God said it, that settles it. And if you're wise, you'll believe it. And so, what, it, what an evidence. Listen, I don't believe in demons. Okay, well, what just happened here? What a visible picture for them. Um, it, to, to teach obedience and holiness, um, it, it would have been against the Jews to own and eat swine. If it was a Jew, he'd go, okay, mm, I get it. Wasn't supposed to have those. If, if it was a Gentile, um, they saw the power of God and the authority he had over all things. Right? If it was to teach the value of a human soul, do you know that one soul is worth more than 2,000 pigs? Too many times we devalue a human being. In the moment of conception, before the foundation of the world, God knew you. But in the moment of conception, too many times we devalue human soul. Here he says, listen, this one man's life was worth those 2,000 pigs. It was to attract the attention and open the door for evangelism in the surrounding district. You know, he, he said to the man, he's now in his right mind, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go witness. To awake, awaken um, the, the, the fact also that, that people may have been uh, connected to greed. People say, listen, I'd rather have my pigs. <laughs> Again, that talks about value. Even to show the true nature of evil spirits. Look, this is what these evil spirits were doing to this man. Ultimately, probably would have killed him too. Now they're cast into a herd of swine, and immediately they're, they, they, they trample to their death. Satan is out to kill and rob and destroy you. So let me wind this up. How are you going to go? Where, where can you go with this message? Three directions. One, you can throw your hands up and say this is all an act of futility. It's one of the ways that people go. Some people said, well, let's just ignore the situation. Pro let's pretend the problem doesn't exist. Do nothing, hope for the best. Maybe, you know, um, we'll just, we'll just kind of endure. Let's buy some, maybe some, we should have just bought some stronger shackles, and, and maybe we should have tried a different way to reach this guy. Some said, so listen, let's just, it's just futile. What, what should we bother with? And then others hide in fear. It's another direction that people go. In fact, Jesus was rejected by the people. They heard of the Lord's presence, his behavior. The, shirt, the herd keepers, they go into the city, they report what happens. The whole city goes out, they meet this, this Jesus, and they see this man. They all react against the loss of, of wealth. They don't like that. Um, where did they say, oh my goodness, we lost 2,000 pigs, but we've got our son back, we've got our brother back, we've got this man back. No no saying, hey, look, this, this, this guy that has terrorized us naked running around in the tombs is finally healed. The people felt nothing in common with Christ. They saw him. They saw only a man standing there who destroyed their property. They were blind to the glorious work and the deliverance of the, of the possessed man. You see, salvation wasn't on their mind. Business was. They rather had their pigs. Their thoughts were engulfed in material loss, not heaven's gain. When the people saw the Lord, they experienced an immediate response. They, they felt nothing in common with him. They were forced either to repent or, you know, or to reject, and they rejected Christ outrightly. Expel Christ. They didn't want to be saved by the Messiah. They wanted him to go away, hide in fear. 
They would expect the people who witnessed this to, to, to embrace him. So, wow, what a deliverance this is, has made in our life. The opposite was true. They were come with fear because, you know, when I think about that, sometimes we respond to God in fear too because he does, there are times that God does things in an out of an ordinary way. Ministering in Haiti, India, Africa, different places. You see, the American church doesn't have a stomach for some of this. But there's times where the hand of God moves in unusual ways. Um, things that would happen there. Ministering in Haiti um, was with Katie on a mission trip. And um, Bruckners were with us waiting to preach. Service was going on for couple hours and they were still in the in the in the singing part i was supposed to preach um and i i was prepared for a couple hour service i wasn't prepared for a four hour service and i had to go to the bathroom so they were still full head of steam singing i walk down to the bathroom but during the service there were people that there were unusual moves of god spiritual battles that were going on and and people christians that were were working with with people who were oppressed and possessed and boy I tell you what you want to empty out a church in a hurry just have something like that go on over there by the fireplace so some people run in fear and and in today's world Satan, I think, is playing a different kind of game here. I'm, I'm telling you this, that I think what we see is the battle ramping up. And in our day, we're going to see more and more things that, that will become more and more visible, even to the American church. Battles of good and evil. Right now, Satan is smart enough to put a different face on it. He sanitizes it for us. It's happening. It's going on. But... But so many times it's, it's sanitized so that, that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't force people to identify it and, and actually make a decision. Jesus, in this situation, people were forced to make a decision. Some would, would, would run and, and, and hide. We're fearful because we have never personally experienced anything like this before, and so we draw wrong judgments. And the result is when people, in this case, feared feared Jesus, these sad words. The people of the region asked Jesus to leave and he got into the boat and left. I think our, our denial of authentic demonstrations of the power of God and our fear of them can be the thing that drives the Spirit of God away from us. Or there's another response, and it's simply this. We can witness in faith. It's another direction you can go. Don't let your fears drive him from your presence. You fear Jesus because of what he might require you to do. You fear that he might ask you, you know, something of you that you're not prepared to give. Mm. Instead, here's that third response. Witness with faith. It's another direction you can go. The healed man was a dynamic example. As soon as he was delivered, he, he, look, he said... Um, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. 
He wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to travel around and share the good news of Christ. He was on fire for the Lord. He wanted to commit himself to the ministry. But notice what Christ did. He simply said to him, he said, return home and tell how much God has done for you. Do you know this was the area? It was, it was a pagan area. And this man was, was sent home to, to tell the story. Here's what Jesus did to me. I once was, you know, I was, I once was, was bound um, with, with, you know, demons. And, and they controlled my life. And, and, and they were destroying me. And you saw me. I was there. You witnessed this. And now here he is, a man in his right mind, clothed in a part of society, telling people how to find freedom. What a witness he was. You think, well... What was the impact of that? If you, if you study scripture out, there's another time where um, the disciples come rolling back into town. And guess what happened? Now their message was received because there was one guy who by himself was a witness. Jesus told him, so you stay here and witness. And he did. He witnessed in his own town. He goes, here's the change. Here's what actually happened to me. And because of that witness, later when the disciples came rolling back into town, people were ready to hear, and they responded. This, this evil area, this pagan area, then there was a move of God in that area. Pretty cool. You see, everyone should be a dynamic witness for the Lord and be willing to go anywhere to redirect us. Um... I'm going to invite the team to come and they're going to lead us in our last song. In the Old Testament, God said to Moses, He said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's what God said to Moses. He said, My presence will go with you. His presence is demonstrated by a pillar of uh, cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night and the presence of God in the tabernacle and then the, all of that happening and the presence of God, he said, I'll be with you and I'll go with you. In fact, Moses then says to God, he goes, and if, and if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not taking one more step. Don't, we're not going anywhere without you. As pastors, we've been thinking about some of the things that we sense God doing in our midst. I sense that God in his spirit led by his word is preparing us to lead us and even though some may fear you can trust where God in his word and his spirit will lead you and we will come face to face with some of the underworld and it will be met with the power of Jesus Christ his blood, his righteousness authentic demonstrations of the power of God the battle is increasing there's no way we're going to avoid this it's coming increasingly and for the people who only can see the natural, the, the thing in the middle they're going to miss what is happening? So there's, I can't put my finger on, but there's something going on. Satan versus God. Good versus evil. And God has made a way for us to work through and walk through. He's leading us through. He's preparing us with His Word and by His Spirit to see what is happening. Let, 
listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches in these days. And I believe God is leading us. We look at the people, we're amazed. How would they ask Jesus to leave? But often we have fears that keep the presence of God away from us. I have a concern about the church, particularly in the United States. We're not consciously aware of the presence of God in our midst. And we don't seem to sense the tragedy of having almost completely lost the awareness of His Spirit. Revival and blessing come to a church when we stop looking at the picture, at a picture of God, who we think God is, and we look at God Himself. Revival comes when we're no longer satisfied just to know about a God in history. But instead, we choose to meet the conditions of finding Him in personal experience. Being led by His Word, filled with His Spirit, we live for Christ. Modern mankind can go anywhere, do everything, be completely curious about the universe. It's a rare person who's curious enough to want to know God like that. Oh Lord, show us your glory. I don't want to be satisfied with a secondhand picture of who you are. I want to sense your living presence with me today. We long to know you. Let it be so. We pray in your mighty name. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world 